The four-team college football playoff era has come and gone. The Pac-12 played in the first, played in the last national championship game, did not win either one. Full reaction right here, right now. You are Locked On Pac-12, your daily podcast on the Pac-12 Conference. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Locked On Pack 12. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin. Thank you so much for making this your first listen or your first view post national championship viewing, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day, and your number one source to stay up to date with our media rights free and Pack 2 dominated and beloved and no national champion conference of champions. Oh, how ironic. But like, comment, subscribe, rate, review, please, and thank you wherever you listen to or watch the show, which is brought to you by Jace Medical. Empower yourself when you purchase a Jace case, providing you with a personal supply of five antibiotics that treat over 50 infections. Get your stay at jacemedical.com. That's J-A-S-E medical.com. So the Pac-12 failed to win a national championship in the era of the four-team college football playoff. Washington falls to Michigan 34 to 13. Biggest takeaway from this game, Michigan was just better. They played better. They looked better from the start. Washington made a run. They made it close. They made it interesting. But at the end of the day, Michigan was able to do what a lot of teams failed to do, and that's pressure Michael Penix and make him uncomfortable. That is what this game came down to. Michael Penix was not himself. And I have to eat some crow. And I'm sure I'll take it on the chin in the comment section, and that's fine. That's the way the game is played because I thought Washington would win. But Michigan's pass defense, which I, I stand by, that's the best passing offense they played all year. Yeah, they held them in check. <laughs> they, they held them in check. Michael Penix went 27 of 51, 255 yards, two picks and one touchdown. That's an outstanding showing. One, one of the best defensive performances in a championship game I think we have seen. I think even better than what Georgia did last year against TCU. The final score of that game was 65-7. to seven. I think this, this Washington team was better than last year's TCU team that played in the national championship game. Now, this game was much closer than the final score indicates. You look up and see Michigan won by 21 points. You say, wow, it wasn't good. No, it was close. Michigan got out to the big lead. It looked like they were going to run away. It looked like they were going to blow the doors off them. It looked like it was TCU round two, and then it wasn't. This was a 20-13 to 13 game at the half, and then Washington came out with the football, and what happened? They forced an interception. Why? Because they were able to get pressure. The, the, everybody except Troy Fautanu along that Washington offensive line had a rough day. There were about three snap infractions. There were two holds calls called. I'll get to those in just a sec. Against Roger Rosengarten, the right tackle. The interior couldn't protect Penix consistently. And as I talked about going into this game, playing off schedule or outside the pocket or on the move is not what Penix does at his best. It's not when he is at full strength. He, he is at his best when he can sit there in the pocket, slice and dice, and I thought after holding up against Texas well and against Oregon well, they'd be able to hold up against Michigan, and that just wasn't the case. That just wasn't the case. The, the, the Michigan defensive line won this football game, I think even more than the Washington 
or, or rather than the Michigan offensive line, which was fantastic in the first quarter. The, the Wolverines ran for 300 yards by the time the game came to a close. But I thought that, that Michigan's defensive line won them this football game. When you look at the way that Washington has played this year, they have succeeded when they can sit there, throw the football, run it better than you think. Dylan Johnson not being at full strength, that certainly didn't help. Penix was banged up by the end of it. Did you know that Michael Penix was not sacked in this game? That's a stat they they said at the end of the broadcast, but he'd been hit so many times. He was uncomfortable. He was out of rhythm. He was just missing throws that we've seen him make all season long. And, and I was puzzled, frankly, watching it because there were matchups, there were open receivers, and Penix was just missing them. He, he was just missing throws. And I think that's a testament to that Michigan D-line. The way that they enforced their will early in the game, I think, got into Penix's head and they never got out of it. And the way that you know they, they pushed the right guard back into him to force the interception and stepped on his ankle a bit, I, I think that just kind of mm-hmm. exacerbated the fact that they were they were just better. And that's really impressive because that's a great, that's a great Washington offensive line. And Michigan's defensive line played better. They they just mauled him. The Huskies on the ground, 20 carries for 46 yards. That's a fantastic defensive effort. Defense wins championships, as they say. Michigan's defense won this game. Washington's offense came in rolling. Each of the last two games, they'd been over 30 points against really good teams with really good defensive lines. And and great de- and you know, Texas' defense was just okay. Oregon's was better statistically this year in a better conference, the Pac-12 compared to the Big 12. Washington had rolled against both of them. And Michigan's defense, they played better. They had a better game plan. They came out ready. And it, you know, it's a Washington team that hasn't had a lot of games like this where they fall behind early and have to scrap and fight and claw. You know, when they've had close games, which they certainly played this season. Oftentimes it was, you know, Washington scores first, but then the other team hangs around, right? Like think about the Utah game. I'm pretty sure if I remember correctly, Washington scored first, but then Utah came right back and then it was kind of going back and forth there. But that's just a heck of a defensive effort from, from the Michigan Wolverines. And they came out with a very clear game plan on offense, pound the rock, run the football, do the opposite of what Oregon did in the Pac-12 championship game. The Ducks went three and out on their first two drives. They ran the ball once only one time. So Washington was just not able to stop the run early. They made adjustments. They made adjustments, but the damage had already been done. I mean, you look at, you know, the middle two and a half quarters of this game, the Michigan offense didn't do much of anything. JJ McCarthy, I was not high on him going into this game. I'm arguably even lower on him coming out of this game. He was 10 of 18 for 140 yards. Like he's just kind of a guy. He's a guy who's got some mobility. He used his legs in a couple of key moments. But I I think that for J.J. McCarthy, he was just managing the game and the Michigan offensive line and the running backs. Blake Corm, Donovan Edwards, man, those guys were really, really good. I want to talk about the holding penalties because this is going to be, as is often the case, an often discussed part of the game. There were impact holding calls in this game. There is no doubt about it. There were missed holding calls. In this game, here, here, here's what I'll say on that front. I did not, I'm not going to go call by call because I don't think that's the most productive use of everybody's time. I thought they missed a couple holding calls on Michigan. 
I also thought they missed a couple calls on Washington. There were false starts against Roger Rosengarten that went uncalled. Even though a lot of them were called, that's because the center didn't snap the ball and everybody else moved. Yes, the officials made impact plays in the game, and most notably wiping out a 30-plus yard completion of Roma Dunze when Washington was down by seven in the fourth quarter. You felt like, okay, this is when the Huskies are really going to go on their run. They're going to get their explosive plays. They're going to get back into it, and the holding call completely derails the drive. I am not certain, based on how Michigan's defense played the entire game, especially in the red zone, that they would have gone down and scored a touchdown. They would have had a chance. I, I'm I'm not going to argue that whatsoever. But to say that that's a guarantee just because they were on the other side of the 50, I'm not buying it. I, I'm not buying that it is an automatic guarantee. I think that Michigan played well enough to win the game, deserved to win the game. They were the better team on the football field. They started better. They played better. And they made plays in, in key moments. And Washington has been – arguably the most clutch team in college football this year, 10 straight games by 10 points or less. I'm sure there are people out there that thought it would run out eventually, that the magic of that would run out eventually. I didn't. I was not one of those people coming into this game. I thought it would continue because Michigan hadn't seen a passing attack like that. But man, that Michigan defense was really, really good. I mean, really, really good. Washington barely had, let me pull up the numbers here real quick. They had... Uh, total yards, 301, 301 total yards. That's a really, really impressive performance. So props to Michigan, more game reaction coming your way after we talk about FanDuel, of course, because the NFL regular season is wrapping up, but there's still time to get in on the action with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get 150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. So if you thought Washington was going to win the game as I did, and you took them plus the points, in this football game, and you'd put down $5 as a new customer, guess what? You would have got 150 in bonus bets either way. That's the way this works. You get 150 bucks in bonus bets, whether you win or lose. The app is super easy to use. They've got a great interface, and there are a lot of different ways to bet. You can do live save game parlays. You can find bets in the new Explore tab. You can make a parlay in the Parlay Hub and so much more. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and make your first bet a layup. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, so more from this game and getting into a little bit of the reaction here and kind of you know what, what comes next for both of these teams as they will rematch. I believe the game is in Seattle next year <laughs> come fall that's going to be a heck of an environment if i'm the big 10 i'm looking my chops going all right so we've got the uh, the two teams that play in the national championship game last year and they're going to square off in the home environment of the team that lost this game i think that game is going to be on national television i don't think they're going to stash that one on peacock just a theory over there by the way before i get back into the game here 
an announcement that has become official and will become officially official next week, starting Monday, January 15th. This YouTube channel right here where you're listening to or where you're watching the show and wherever you're listening on podcasts right now. I've been getting questions about this almost nonstop for the last couple months, which I greatly appreciate. And I assured you that something was going to be in the works. Well, now it is here starting Monday, January 15th. This feed, the same one, you don't have to change a thing for all you everydayers out there to continue consuming this show, which will become Locked On College Football, covering the biggest sports, the biggest stories everywhere in the country from this, the greatest sport in the world. If you have questions about that, you drop them in the YouTube comments, probably best to hit me up on Twitter at smalls underscore 55 or at LO underscore Pac-12, but maybe smalls underscore 55 because that second one is going to be changing here shortly. You can always hop in the mentions and DMs over there if you've got any questions. Biggest one I'm sure people are wondering about, are you going to continue to cover Oregon State, Washington State, and all those sorts of teams? And I just have one question in response to that question. Are they playing college football? Absolutely. So that's what's happening with the show. Super excited. Super grateful to Locked On for making this happen. That is going to launch officially on Monday. Schedule is going to be the same Monday through Friday, all year round. College football. Everything to know about the greatest sport in the world. So let's get back into the game a little bit here. It was strange for me as a, as a fan of uh, the Pac-12 who watched this entire season play out to watch Washington's offense struggle like that. I don't think that Michigan defense was you know as good as the Georgia defense of a couple of years ago, for instance. But man, <laughs> that is one of the better individual game performances in a championship we have seen. The way they got pressure, the way they covered as well, they blew a couple of coverages. But the reason that those blown coverages didn't kill them, the reason Penix missed those throws, was that the pressure was there. He was pushed off his spot. I think he was dinged up as the game went along. That became clear and obvious. And you just saw Michael Penix miss throws that he just didn't always miss. And look, I didn't love I'm going to get to Washington's offensive game plan in just a moment. I think one takeaway that I, I continue to have in college football is great coaches can have bad game plans. Dan Lanning is admitted as much after the Pac-12 championship game when he was asked about it. Um, I forget. Who, I think it might have been Joel Klatt said he asked him about it, uh, seeing him somewhere. And he said, yeah, it was a bad game plan. It was just, it was just bad. It didn't come out, didn't execute. It was not, was not the right approach to winning that football game. Kalen DeBoer and Ryan Grubb might say the same thing about this particular game. Kalen DeBoer is still a great coach. Michael Penix is still a great quarterback. And yet, on the biggest stage, with that opportunity to win their first outright national championship, they had a co-national championship in 1991. That's the last time Washington football was able to put the national champions banner up in the Husky Stadium. They had a chance to do that with arguably the greatest quarterback to ever play for Washington. I mean, the two-year stretch that Michael Penix just had, that guy is a warrior. That guy is a fighter. I got a lot of respect for that dude because, man, he went out there and he played his butt off. And guess what? He didn't play a good game. I've watched Steph Curry go two for 10 in a big spot in the NBA playoffs from beyond the arc. I've also watched him go eight for 11 
it's it's sports are like that sometimes. The other guys are trying to win too. Sometimes you just don't have it. And unfortunately for the Huskies, Penix did not have it in this game. He didn't have it, was not in the zone, got rattled with the pressure, and everything just didn't click. And he was 27 of 51. I don't know if that's a season high in pass attempts for him, but it's 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 gotta be up there. It's gotta be it, it, it's gotta be up there. And I, I think that Michigan played a really, really good game and running the football and making the statement in the early going, I think was uh, a big time tone setter. Uh, it was a big time tone setter for, for Michigan. And you have to, you have to credit Jim Harbaugh and the way that his team came out. Yeah. It's a season high in pass attempts for Penix. Uh, he hadn't gone over 42 looks like against Arizona state was the most he'd had uh, previously this season. He had almost 40 against Texas and almost 40 against Oregon as well. So I, I think Michigan had a great game plan. And, and you got to credit the Wolverines there. I mean, Jim Harbaugh, if he's about to leave college football, which I could see it. I've seen it before. Pete, Pete Carroll, right as the NCAA started to come cracking down, just encroaching closer, closer, closer. He said, okay, bye. Bye. Uh, bye. I'm going to win a big game. Okay, I'll see you later. I'm going to go to the NFL now. And he's been steering the, she- the Seahawks ship for quite a long time. So, I, I think that for Jim Harbaugh, if he stays at Michigan, by the way, if you are someone who was ever on the fire Harbaugh train, I'm going to assume you take that back. Going to assume you take that back. I think that for Jim Harbaugh, you can readily justify staying at Michigan because you are now the hero of that university and that football program. You're the face of that football program now. Beyond just the hero of it, you are the face of it more than anybody ever has been or arguably ever will be. I, I, I'm not trying to kick dirt on the Tom Brady's and Desmond Howard's of the world, but he played for Michigan and he wins a national championship. He's beaten Ohio State three years in a row. That's a heck of a spot to be in for Jim Harbaugh there. But bringing it back to the game for the moment, Harbaugh's team had a great game plan. Pound the rock, make them stop us. And they couldn't. They could not do it. In the early going. And Michigan said, well, here's another halfback dive. Oh, look, 30 yards. Uh, I mean, it was two carries for 81 yards and two touchdowns for Donovan Edwards to start this game. It doesn't get much better than that. Does not get much better than that. On the other side, I was completely puzzled at Washington's game plan and approach. I did not understand it. Assuming I did not miss a play, which I don't think I did, I'm sure someone in the comment section will correct me if I'm wrong here, but it couldn't happen more than once. Michael Penix did not attempt a pass that went beyond the first down marker, as in 10 or more yards down the field, until two minutes had gone by in the second quarter. 17 minutes of game time went by, and Penix didn't attempt a downfield shot. I didn't understand it. Early in the game, there was a third and four, that Washington didn't convert, and there was a, a stacked look on the right side, and Adunze ran a slot fade, and McMillan out of the stack look behind him ran a speed out. And Penix took the ball, and he threw it to Jalen McMillan, who got tackled short of the line to gain, and Washington had to punt. All season long, that ball has gone to Odunze in a 50-50 spot, and Washington was just not taking their shots. They were throwing screens. They were doing quick hitters. And I'm going, wait a minute. The second pass of the game against Texas for Michael Penix 
was a 37-yard dime, 34.8 yards in the air they showed on the broadcast, and then a 70-plus yard catch and run to Jalen Polk down the field. Like that, that That's what got them here. And they waited to unleash that, and I, I didn't understand it. I did not understand it. There were moments where it looked like there were one-on-ones down the field, and Penix just didn't take the shots, and he wanted to work more underneath. And it was before you know the pressure had really gotten to him and maybe gotten in his head a little bit. I was really, really puzzled by that. I, I'm, I'm sure Washington fans are puzzled by that as well. They eventually got into the groove a little bit, hit a couple of shots, but that was not the regular Washington offense. They never found the rhythm early because they weren't really trying to get in their regular rhythm early. Like Texas, it was guns blazing, come out, play action shot, deep ball and whatnot. Michigan, it was, let's check it down. Let's do some safe throws. Let's get it underneath. I did not understand that at all from offensive coordinator Ryan Grubb. Now, I've never been a football coach. I've never been a coordinator and whatnot. I am just someone who is puzzled, like many people I'm sure are, at why Washington was not trying to come out and establish their strength right away. That's what Michigan did, and guess what? They had the big early lead, and they won the football game. They did not trail. They were more ready from the jump. And I I, I think that that game plan difference, again, Ryan Grubb, Kalen DeBoer, I've sung their praises all year on this show because they're great. Those, Those are great coaches, great offensive minds. Did not think they had a great game plan going into that game. College football's over now. That makes me sad. Let's talk about that along with some final thoughts on this game. After we talk about Jace Medical, of course. I know we come to sports to escape from some of the crazy realities of life, but can we just talk for a minute about preparing for, for real life? According to the FDA, pharmacies are running out of antibiotics like amoxicillin right in the middle of the worst flu season in over a decade. That's not a great situation. I can't imagine a more helpless feeling than needing a particular medication and not being able to get it. But thankfully, Jace Medical is there to help. The Jace case is a pack of five different antibiotics to treat a long list of bacterial illnesses, including UTIs, respiratory infections, infections, sinusitis, skin infections, among others. This stuff could happen to any of us. You don't want to be caught unprepared. Visit jacemedical.com and complete your physician encounter. It will be reviewed by a board certified physician and your medications will be dispensed by a licensed pharmacy at a fraction of the regular cost. It's never been more important to be prepared than today. Go to jacemedical.com. Use that offer code locked on to get $20 off your order. That's jasemedical.com code locked on to get $20 off your order. All right, a couple closing thoughts on the game before we lament the loss of another college football season. More like the the departure. It's not a goodbye. It's a see you later. You know what I mean? So Blake Corum and Donovan Edwards both went for over 100 yards in this game. I, I, I knew that Washington's defense could be run upon. I did not have on my bingo card 200-yard rushers and 300 total on the ground. Now, I think Washington's defense did a great job adjusting from the early going. They they, they had some wide splits on the defensive line. The safeties were playing deep. They were not forcing J.J. McCarthy to beat him. That's something else I talked about on Sunday's show, looking at this game with Craig Scheman of Locked On Big Ten, was if I'm Washington, I dare you to take deep shots. I dare you to throw the ball with J.J. McCarthy. That had to be the game plan. And again, 
going back to the game plan, preparation, and early execution, it just wasn't there for Washington. They might have been executing the game plan that they were, you know, coming out, at least the one that they were showing. I just didn't think it was the right approach. It, it, it should have been a lot of single high safety, cover zero run blitzes, and just not not letting the ground game get going because that's how Michigan was always going to win the football game. And yes, for those who were going to say, Spencer, you didn't say enough about how you were wrong. I thought Washington would win the game. I was only off by a garbage time touchdown, essentially, on Michigan's point total. Their offense played roughly how I thought it would. It was the defense that outperformed my expectations for them. And I think that for Michigan, the way they came out, executed the game plan early, and then had it taken away but still stuck with it and found creative new ways to run the football, I think that that was a really impressive job by offensive coordinator Sharon Moore for the Wolverines. I think that he did some really good work as Washington adjusted. The Huskies' defense deserves some credit. They were horrible in the first quarter. I don't know how else to describe it. They were awful. Absolutely, positively terrible. Could not have been worse. But then, in the middle few quarters, they gave Washington a chance to win the game. I do not think that Washington's defense, as bad as it was in the first quarter, lost them this football game at all. I think Michigan's defense just took it from them. I think Michigan's defense took the game from Washington and won it. That's what it came down to. If I told you going into the game, you hold J.J. McCarthy under 150 passing yards, would you say that's a good defensive performance? Yes, yeah, because it was. Jabbar Muhammad's a beast. Edouan Ulafosio, that pass breakup on fourth down that swung the momentum back to Washington, trailing 17-3, to three, I think it was. Yeah, 17-3. to three. I, I mean, that was huge. And that's a big-time play. The way he sprinted out, caught up with a receiver running in the flat, no look, deflected the ball is an incredible defensive play. And yeah, they took the, they took it on the chin in the early going, but they adjusted and they did not lose this game. The Washington offense, I did not think had a great game plan. They did not execute and their offensive line played their worst game of the season. They got overmatched by Michigan. That's just what it came down to. And when you have two great units, Michigan's D-line and Washington's offensive line, someone's going to play better than the other. And if you play that game 10 times, heck, for all we know, five times it could be Washington's O-line getting the better of Michigan. And five times it could be Michigan's D-line getting the better. It could be an 8-2 split. Either way, it could it could be all sorts of stuff. That's what it comes down to sometimes. When, you know, Kevin Durant is going up against LeBron James in a basketball game. Those are two great players. Anybody going to deny that? No, of course not. That would be ridiculous to deny such a thing. But sometimes LeBron outplays Durant, or sometimes Durant outplays LeBron. That's just the way sports go. And and this one, the chips didn't fall the way they needed to for Washington to win. Michigan was the better team, and they win the championship 34-13. to And we officially move into a really sad time. College football is over. If you're watching on YouTube, you can see the expression on my face. That's a genuine one. Now, I love college basketball. So March is near. I love the Masters. The Masters, as fun fact about me, not that you care, but you're going to hear it anyway. Fun fact. Every time I am watching a television and a Masters ad comes on, I get up from whatever I'm doing and I put two hands up in the air like Hideki Matsuyama did when he won the Masters a couple of years ago. 
I give it a one pump with both arms and I just walk a circle around the couch. That's what I do every single time because I'm so excited. So I have those things to look forward to, but we don't have college football for eight and a half months. Yikes. Yikes. However, will I find topics to discuss on a daily college football podcast? You're going to find out. You are going to find out. We'll talk about anything and everything. Realignment portal. All questions, by the way. 100% game. A lot of you out there that are everydayers, regular listeners, submit questions about teams that are that are out west. Continue asking them on the show, and they will continue to get answered. Because last time I checked, the teams you ask about are in college football. But I'm always sad when college football ends. It is the greatest sport in the world. It is my favorite sport to watch on television. And I think that the offseason has got plenty of interesting storylines. How do teams reload? How do they rebuild? Who are the favorites? Win totals, schedules, spring games, intel, quarterback battles. There's all sorts of stuff to play out to build the hype between now and next season in the realignment world of college football. So we can be sad that college football is over. I certainly am. There are, however, a lot of stories to cover. I look forward to discussing them with all of you here on the show all offseason long. Whether that's Florida State trying to blow up the ACC, the favorites in the new look Big 12 or the new look SEC or the new look Big 10, what happens with the Pac-2, heck, the Mountain West. You want to ask me questions about that? I got all sorts of thoughts. They added Malachi Nelson up there at Boise State. That guy was a big-time quarterback recruit to USC. He's going to play on the Smurf turf. Up there in Boise. Do I have thoughts? Of course I do. So I'm super stoked about what the show is going to become. It is still going to remain locked on Pac-12 for the rest of this week, but the hard launch of Locked On College Football, Monday, January 15th. We're right here on this very YouTube or audio feed, wherever you listen to or watch this show. And I appreciate you so very much for choosing to do that, especially you everydayers out there. You will be able to hear all sorts of topics on this beautiful, wonderful sport. That's the only thing that's going to change is we'll get to talk about more, give you a big picture of what's going on in the sport, what you need to know. A sport that won't be back for three quarters of a year. Oh, gosh, painful. Painful to say, but we've got plenty to cover in the offseason. So please continue to like, comment, subscribe, rate, review, wherever you listen to or watch this show. I have a bunch of mailbag questions to get to this week. I'm going to have a show for you guys tomorrow, so make sure you tune in. I appreciate everyone listening. I will see you next time, and until then, hope you have a wonderful rest of your day.